Go for it, Mattel. Oh, I'm supposed to start? Mike <laughs> literally just said a second ago that he was going to say something and we were going to go off of it. No, but no, you still have to do I'll the say intro. something I mean, first. We still need an intro. We still need to pray. We still have to read scripture. We don't just throw those things out just because I'm going to say something dumb. Oh, I think Natal's really thrown off because his wife isn't in this episode. Yeah, and, well, maybe yeah. we shout really loud and talk Lindsay into joining two in a row. Lindsay, <laughs> they want to know we're we're recording right now. They want to know if you want to be in this episode. She said she's going to pass. <laughs> Not surprised. Okay, so I'm still doing an intro? Yeah. Okay, welcome to God's Word During Exile. Oh, you know what? Change the pictures around. Okay. Because I know that it's you here, Matt here, Ben here, so change it. All right, it's Ben. Right. So, um, welcome to God's Word During Exile. As you can see, we're all wearing the same clothes because we're batching. And uh, yes, last week... We did a part two that was supposed to be a continuation of part one that was supposed to be the end of the fourth commandment. But in typical God's word during exile fashion, shout out Jason Goodham. We're actually going on to part three of commandment number four. I'm confident today I'm going to name that puppy and say we're going to finish commandment four today. And we will be going on to Commandment 5 next week. Challenge. Famous last word. <laughs> <laughs> last words. So, uh, let's see. I think I'm now on the bottom. And I think that uh, Ben is over here. I think Mike is directly above me. And Matt Nelson's in the corner over here. You are on the bottom. Everything else was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well there you go that's all i got i got nothing else awesome well ben will you open us up in a word of prayer this time around i suppose thanks be to god Holy <laughs> father thanks for uh, this day that you've given to us and thanks for this time that we can spend uh digging yet further into uh, your word with uh, commandment number four and just ask that you bless our uh, discussion uh, today and may it be uh, fruitful and helping us uh, better understand um, and apply uh, this commandment of yours to our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Matt, have you got your catechism sitting in front of you? I do. Would you mind reading the fourth commandment and meaning for us, please? You bet. Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. All right, and I've still got Exodus 20 open, so I'll go ahead and read Exodus 20, 12 again. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you and pick up there on that promise from Exodus that we're hopefully going to be focusing on today. And in part one, we kind of did the overview and even touched on what was your phraseology, Ben, that thorny subject of what to do with your parents as they get older. Is that how you said it? Yeah. yeah touched, touched on that. Last week, we talked about what to do if uh, you don't really have 
great parents or great government authorities. Today, we're going to talk about that promise that comes at the end, where God says, if you honor your father and mother, your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, not very long ago, I heard that this promise specifically applies to the United States. And that if we as Christians will do a better job honoring our, our parents, our fathers and our mothers, well, then it's going to pull our land back into a state of harmony and we are going to have peace and prosperity and success yes. eternally. Uh, this seems true. I like the idea. So honor your parents better so that things can go better for me and America can go on forever. What do you think of that? See, I thought it had to do with immortality. So I figured if you cared for your parents and loved them wholeheartedly, you were just going to have immortality. Like we're we're all so the key to loving your parents more is being a vampire. Gotcha. Fair. Yeah. How are we doing with that? Yeah. Ben, do you have a wrong interpretation of this text you'd like to add to that? I never have wrong interpretation. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I got to come up with one quick. And then Ben will correct. <laughs> I thought the land was Iowa because that's where I'm living right now. So, you know, I thought Iowa would prosper and become, you know, the dominant state, no longer be a flyover state. And uh, we'd be running this place. We'd take over and, and the U.S. would be the United State of Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I, I thought, too, that this was... Um, one of those promises where if you disobey the reason why they said you'd live long in the land is because if you disobeyed your parents, they'd just kill you. <laughs> so you obey them. Good to go. They're going to keep you alive. You disobey them. Forget it. I can, I, wait, wait, what's that? What's that phrase? I've brought you into this world. I can take you out of this. world. Yeah, I've heard that one. <laughs> I think I've heard that one recently, actually. Oh, man. Well, th <laughs> to throw one more out there. I have heard people talk about how America is is uh, like the new Israel. And they even talked about how, I don't know, I've heard all these different theories. Maybe Native Americans were actually Jews or, you know, there's all sorts of weird things. I know, um, uh, like, I think even the Mormons had some weird thing about, you know, how they viewed america and and being the the promised land and um anyway. I, have, I have swum in the great salt lake that is not the promised land it's <laughs> is swum the swum. past tense swum did I think. Swam. okay let me ask you a question you know the phrase, you know the phrase um like swim, swam, you're, swam. you're winging it you yeah. know like pretty much what we do on a regular basis as we record yeah. these podcasts we're winging it so <laughs> if you're talking to a person <laughs> what would be the past tense of winging it wonged yeah i wonged it <laughs> wonged it i 100 percent wong it my my favorite but, thing because i when i worked at starbucks <laughs> is people would come in and ask if i would grounded their coffee for them oh what? <laughs> solid good. would you grounded this grounded it how many d's lots of d's <laughs> All right. So you like oh, connecting it to a ground wire? Like that's what I, I did. Yeah. I just plugged in the like I tore the other prongs off a plug and just <laughs> shoved the ground into a bag. Oh my goodness. Okay, so maybe we should come back to something. <laughs> Nelson actually he he got us maybe uh, closer than anyone with his wrong interpretation. 
because he mentioned the new Israel. I think we need to bear in mind as we read this, this is a, a commandment and a promise that was given to a specific people at a specific time that had or would have, I suppose would have, a specific land that God had promised them, right? That's where we have to start if we're going to get this correct, don't we? Yeah, because the the people that were receiving this, the original audience, was going to the promised land of Canaan. And God was, this is a part of the old covenant, right? And and God was talking directly to national Israel or the, the people he was making into this nation to live in a particular land. And so there are some things that we probably need to figure out how to sort through that have to do with that people in that place for that time. Ben, get us on track. We need your help. Um, Obi Ben Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think, um, you know, just in the same way that like with the third commandment, we had, you know, remember the Sabbath day that for Old Covenant Israel, that became a, a particular day. Right, six days you shall labor, the seventh you shall rest. Whereas when we come into the the new covenant, um, the particular requirement of the day is no longer in play, but but the idea of the commandment is still in force, which is to give attention to um, the hearing of God's word, right, regularly, um, and so. You know, this, so thinking of this as, you know, because it does specifically say that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It does seem that there, there is a sense then, um, at least on, we could say on the, either like the surface level or on one level of, of reading this, um, that, you know, if God's people lived, faithfully according to his word and his commands which he also says as they are about to enter uh the promised land and he gives them blessings for keeping the the covenant and curses for not um if they would be faithful to god's word and his command and this would be part of that um they would enjoy long and fruitful life in in that land um Whereas if they disobeyed, not only, you know, like in light of this commandment, would their, their life be shorter, but they would also be kicked out of the land. And so, so we have kind of on the, maybe we could say like the initial reading or the kind of the first level, we have the specific context of, of the promised land and old covenant Israel. And so we, we want to be careful not to, we don't want to universalize the wrong part of of this i guess you could say like and and take from that some kind of absolute promise that you're going to live a long time um because again this isn't it's not the way that that i understand it best this is not an absolute promise that every single individual is going to live a long time i think it's it's a general principle it's a general truth that that if families remain 
intact and there is um you know not only the children honoring their parents but but as we've talked about too that this commandment also brings the responsibility of the parents into play as well to um you know to govern their children well you know and and so on you know which would include providing also for their physical needs and so on and and helping them to become you know respectable productive people in society and so that in general you will live a lot longer and i think that we see this too that oftentimes you know when people come from from broken homes and such you know like we can just look at statistics for example and just say that you know crime rate for example is is much higher um with those who come out of broken and shattered homes um and a lot of times that crime is violent crime and such and so you know they don't tend to live as long <laughs> right because of because of the kinds of choices and activities they're engaged in right whereas generally speaking um you know people are better off in society when they come from intact homes it doesn't mean that they have to come from wealthy homes sorry, but intact homes makes a huge difference um in the outcome in their in their place in society and so on and so forth and so i think it's a it's a general principle that you know if we order our lives according to god's will and design it's going to go better uh, for us but this doesn't mean that it's not an absolute promise because we know that people from intact families go off the rails too we know that people get sick and die um you know and so it's not if we take it as an absolute promise then we we end up turning god into a into a liar because you know you can have a you can honor your parents and you still get cancer and die or you get in a car accident or you know whatever um and so and so that's not the way i don't think that god intends us to understand the promise not in an absolute sense but in but as a general principle um so this is more like uh those videos you see online about why women live longer than men you know, and then it shows like a bunch of clips of guys doing really stupid stuff that anybody who had half a brain would never try because they're going to kill themselves or <laughs> maim themselves or something. If you guys know what I'm talking about. But yeah, those videos always really resonate with me because I remember being a teenager <laughs> too. I've done half that stuff. <laughs> well, it's like the book of Proverbs, right? I mean, there's lots of uh, things in there about if you're wise and you do this, then this good thing will happen to you. And if you're a fool, then this bad thing will happen to you. Well, like Ben, ben is mentioning, and you might do all the right things and something bad still happens. Like a friend of mine... <clears throat> here uh you know bought a house that he could afford and he and his wife paid it off first house they were ever ever able to pay off it's like an eight-year-old home and then they found out that it was sinking into the ground uh because of a water main break that had been damaging the house without anybody knowing it knowing about it and the the whole place is just 
garbage now, I think. And it they can't live in it. It's not safe. And they might lose everything. I don't know. Uh, but they didn't do anything wrong. And uh, and so, but generally you would say if you make wise decisions and you're faithful and you save and you, and you know, do these things that are wise and good, you will be better off for it. And we see that too with our parents, right? Like, you know, when your parents say, don't touch that hot burner, right? Don't push your siblings down the stairs, you know, or something like this, the keeping the order in the home and all of this ends up protecting you. They provide for you. Um, and generally when you have parents that are parenting and, um, and kids that are honoring their parents, things are going to go better. So <clears throat> I don't know where you want to go next with this. I mean, it seems like we need to clear up a little bit about what the land means for us today. I mean, is it America? Is it eternal life? Iowa. Because that's the promised land. Is it Iowa? I I've, mean, I've guys, heard, it's clearly Rhode Island. I've <laughs> I've heard Finland. I know a bunch of Finns. They swear Rhode it's Island Finland is or than the county I live in. It can't be. Wrong. That's probably a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> But I'll, bet, I'll bet we have more people, people in, in our, that's what I was going to say. Like we have you've a million it. people in Rhode Island. How many people do you have say, in Montana? You've, like a you've million. probably got an apartment complex with a higher population than Sydney. Exactly. <laughs> probably the truth. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think we do need to deal with the land because it's, it's clearly not Iowa or Rhode Island or Montana. As much as we might love the states that we live in or hate them. I don't know. I don't know you guys. Uh, but what is it we're talking about when we talk about the land? Because obviously when this when this promise was given, what was in mind of the people was the land of Canaan that God had promised to give to them. And I think certainly there is a, a fulfillment of it where that physical land is in mind. But it when we talk about the promised land, it's never just the promised land, is it, in Scripture? Where is it? I just figured Ben would jump right in and, and tell me. Just, kind just of on on this subject, besides America and Iowa and these other options, I think some people still are very worried about the land of Canaan, and they're so concerned about all the Jews going back there and kicking out all the other people out of that area, and uh, or you know taking the power away at least from them, you know, and, and restoring everything like it they think it was meant to be in the physical land of Canaan. Um, so I think that's got to be on the table to either affirm or rule out. Yeah, the question is to whether or not that land was promised eternally or just promised for a time, right? Right. And people claim, you know, like, you know, Israel becoming a nation again, being a big part of restoring that. And, you know, I think, I don't know. So there's a lot in this, but how do we sort it all out? Mike, don't you have any wisdom for us on this one? Yeah, I I have a bunch of wisdom um, in which I <laughs> humbly bow to Mr. Baker and allow him to eloquently put into words everything that is rolling around in my brain. Okay. <laughs> That's a big task right there. 
Seriously. Please Being leave out some of the things that are rolling through Mike's brain. Yeah. Yeah, please. Well, I think we've uh Salish, I don't know if we uh talked about it in this particular set of We did it in the revelation. But we but we did talk about this, yeah, in our in our revelation stuff. Um I think, the, I think the video the was called Who is Israel. Was it? I think the video was called Who is Israel, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you go all the way back to the beginning episodes. Um, yeah, so the promised land is never the end in and of itself. We talked about how that is a picture of uh, the world to come, the new heavens and the new earth. That is the true uh, promised land. Um, so we don't want to... We don't want to tie or place anything in particular to any uh, specific geographical location today. Um, that land was was for a specific purpose for a specific time, but with the you know the coming of Christ and particularly what was demonstrated with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in eighty seventy, um, that <clears throat> is done. Right, so. Uh, there's no contemporary significance in terms of, you know, a special place of God's activity or things like that in any uh, geographical location here on, on earth. The, so the, not even, not even Canaan or Israel or America or Iowa or Iowa. Nope. Um, you know, cause again, the, so Part of this is the pattern that we see when we move from Old to New Testament, when we move from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is more restrictive than the New. So under the Old Covenant, God chose a specific people through whom his, you know, they were supposed to be lights to the nations, right? Um, so he specifically gave to a specific people the promise of his, what well, promise of the Messiah, which he gave to Adam and Eve as well, but then he specifically gave them his law, gave them the sacrifices, gave them the very particular pictures of the coming Messiah, gave to them the prophets who came and spoke concerning uh, Christ who was to come. And so Old Covenant is more restrictive. The New Covenant's fulfillment is much less so. It's more inclusive, as it were. So um, could I just, if you could pause for a second too, maybe just to help before the old covenant too was drawing people to that one particular place, right? Bringing them in to that location. Right. And the, the direction has changed in the New Testament too, where the church is sent out mm -hmm. into all of the places. Yep. But now you're saying restrictiveness and and... In terms of well, kind of what you're talking about, they, so there was a particular land, and that was the location of, you know, the people of God. That's where the the temple was. That's where God had His, uh, in particular, His gracious presence uh, for His people at the the temple building there, right? And the sacrifices are going on, the holy of holies, and all that, right? So it's a specific location. So that's like what you're talking about, Matt. The people had to come to. Israel to Jerusalem, you know, so we have like, for example, you know, the Queen of Sheba comes all the way to 
Jerusalem. Um, anyways, so, but in the in the new covenant with the coming of Christ, the the particular land is no longer of significance because now the people of God are throughout the world. The the gospel, you know, God's gracious presence through word and sacrament that goes out throughout the whole world. It's not bound to this particular place in this particular building, but it's throughout the world. And we, uh, by being connected to Christ, are the temple of God because God dwells with, with us as, you know, as his people. And so the scope then goes out to the entire world and the, and the promised land really is a picture. You know, it kind of gets a bit expanded as it were to the entire world because God's people are now all over the world. They're not just in this particular location, but it's also a picture then of the new heavens and the new earth to come. And so it would be going backwards really to, you know, or not following the biblical pattern of type and fulfillment to then say, well, now that the new covenant is here, even though everything about the new covenant is much more expansive and much more inclusive than the old covenant was, but we're still going to be exclusive about the land. We're still going to be exclusive about the people. That doesn't, that doesn't fit the pattern that scripture gives us. So it's not, it's not any particular geographical uh, location. So is it referring, we've talked a lot about what it's not. Is it then referring to the whole earth now for us? Would we understand this as how, you know, that God will bless us in our life as we live on in this land of the earth? Is that what it's saying? I think so. I mean, Gergenshon comments, I think he's right. He says, in the view, speaking about the promise in the view presented in the small catechism, the saving promise is no longer related to long life in the promised land, but is unrestrictedly applied to earthly life as a whole. Um, and so, I mean, he has other things that, that he talks about too, but the, in the Concordia's explanation so this is the 2017 edition of the small catechism and explanation. They do give this summary. Um, so this is question 58 on page 66 of the catechism. Um, so ask the question, what promise does God give us with this commandment and why does he give it? And they give this paragraph. God promises those who keep the fourth commandment that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This promise highlights the vital importance of parents in raising children to grow up and become responsible members of society, wise caretakers of God's creation, and faithful witnesses to the gospel. So in the, that's their, their short paragraph explanation. And that's and that's similar to what uh what Gurian Shown is is highlighting here too. Um Oh, did we have Ben Freeze on us? No, I was just debating if I should <clears throat> if I should read some stuff. We're so still though. I'm very talented. Wow. <laughs> you know that's the understatement of a my, right there. Very talented. You know, my my wife says that I that I walk like a cat in the house because she gets startled a lot of times because she doesn't know that I'm present. 
So okay. apparently I'm really talented at walking quietly. So apparently I discovered another one of my talents. I can pause so still that you think I froze. Dude, Ben is literally Drax from uh, Guardians. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) You can't see me moving. (laughs) Yep. Maybe when you're going around the house, you should practice walking like an Egyptian and just like. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Might make more noise. (laughs) Must must have been all those those years of learning to walk quietly in the woods from going hunting and whatnot. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> well, I think Ben's we like ran out ninja. of time for reading any quotes. Ninja. <laughs> yeah. uh, <clears throat> so, how can we wrap this this baby up here? And what if thinking ben, about the promise? What if Ben already read us that passage and we didn't even know it because he just incepted it ninja style into our brain? Yeah, that's probably true. Wow. I did that. I think that's one hundred percent what happened. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> So yeah, just to kind of summarize what Gergenshon uh, mentions here too, is he he really highlights that the phrase that St. Paul adds in Ephesians, um, in the Lord, right? So children, obey your parents in the Lord. And, you know, so St. Paul is, is saying this is, you know, the idea, the force behind this commandment. And he, and essentially what he's saying is that that in the Lord really speaks to a, how it changes our understanding of our relationships um, so that so that the relationship between parents and children is understood in light of what God has done for us in Christ, in light of the fact that, you know, if they're believing parents and believing children, that we are part of the, the same family of God. And it's just kind of an interesting thing that he that he mentions, because that doesn't in any way, you know, remove the authority and and honor parts of it. But but he does say in that way, the family almost, in a sense, kind of becomes a little congregation, a little fellowship of Christians um, who, you know, so that children honor their parents, not just because it's like, oh, you better do this, but but because, you know, well, I'm a new creature in, in Christ and my parents are God's good gift to me, so I want to honor them and and obey and respect them. And parents... You know, um, not just again force of of law, but you know, children are are a good gift that God has given me. You know, and and even though yes, even though I I fail, I am forgiven in Christ. When my kids fail, they are also forgiven. We can live in light of that forgiveness, and I'm going to try to you know teach and govern my children as best as possible, you know, to love and to serve them in, in light of, you know, also what Christ has done for me. And so it's, it, it can kind of change how we think about that relationship um, rather than just, you know, kind of like an external curb, well, you better do this, but it kind of transforms even how we understand that when, when parents and children can see each other as, um, as both, you know, all are children of God in the one family of, of Christ that that should also impact how parents are toward their children, how children are toward their parents. And all this really does go back to faith in God and, and trusting his commandments and his will for our life is, is a part of walking with him as we believe in him. Right. And it goes back always to the first commandment. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 so we see this as an extension of God's ministry. We walk by faith, and and truly, for a Christian, when we when we walk by faith, everything we do is righteousness and is rewarded perfectly, even with heavenly rewards. And that's a difficult thing to understand because we are also sinners and we are still in this earthly realm. But um, but as we walk in faith, you know, we are definitely rewarded and and that pleases God. But it's not as if we, um, you know, can actually fulfill this law perfectly, but as Christ has fulfilled it and we trust in him, then um, we have satisfied this law completely too. And so I think in that regard, we can pull in the eternal benefits of the everlasting promised land, but that's only by faith in Christ that we receive that, um, that reward. All right, so you heard it here from Matt. He said, if you honor your father and mother well enough, you'll earn your salvation. On that note, <laughs> I had to drop one more bit of heresy today. I there you go. to say stupid stuff, so I had to say stupid stuff. But no, that was a good way to tie things up, guys. And we did, as Natal said, finish our commandment today. It is done. Um, so let's close up in a word of prayer. And we will see you next time for uh, the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. And I'll even tell you some of the fun phrases my confirmation class has come up with instead. So it'll be fun. Father God, thanks for today. Thank you for this time again that we could look at the fourth commandment about honoring our parents. Lord, thank you for the parents that you have given us, imperfect and sinful as they are. Um, Lord, help us to see the good gifts that they have given and see all the good gifts from your hands. And again, in this Advent season, remind us of Christ born to die that we might have life in you and life eternal. We thank you and praise you for every good gift. We pray, pray all of these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Later.